Good morning, City Light. How, how's everybody doing today? Made it through the snow, kind of got here safely, so we're glad everyone is here. There's warm coffee, donuts over there, so so glad you're here. Eric, thanks for reading scripture and praying over me. I greatly appreciate that. Hey, before I get into the uh, sermon this morning, I just want to say thanks. You know, around here, we talk a lot about what it means to be on mission and uh, what our mission is as a church, and we say it this way. The mission of our church is to multiply disciples and churches. And I think we're doing that. I think we're doing a good job of that city. Like just before Christmas this last year, we uh, put it out there that we wanted to raise an additional $29,500 in order to uh, send down to Kansas City to plant a church in Kansas City in the Westport area. Well, you all responded. You responded and gave over $29,600, so we, will, we were able to put that with the money that we sent in the summertime, and we actually sent over $50,000 to plant a church in City Life, or in Kansas City. Isn't that amazing? That's absolute. not only that, but last, just last week, we had 75 people that went down to Kansas City to be part of that church launch. We celebrated the first Sunday of the birth of a church last week in Kansas City. Thirteen of those people, like, left here in a blowing snowstorm. It was crazy. I think we are multiplying churches. Now, when you think about what's going on here in Council Bluffs. Council Bluffs, there are stories of people seeking out what it means to be baptized. What does baptism mean? What does conversion mean? What does it mean to trust Jesus? People are getting involved in city groups. People are stepping up in the leadership, and they're trying to figure out what this is all about. We've got people that are confessing secret sin to others in their city group. We have people who are learning to study their Bibles, and people are taking greater steps of, of obedience in their walk with Jesus Christ. I feel like we are multiplying disciples. Eric here a couple weeks ago, he said that, um, that we are to be this city that is set on a hill. You are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden. Verse 16 of chapter 5 says, in the same way, let your light so shine before others that they might see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. And I feel like by the grace of God that we are that light on the hill. We want to be that city that is set so that when others see the good works that they're doing, they give glory to our Father who's in heaven. Now that's what happens when you're light. That's Matthew chapter 5. But now we're in Matthew chapter 6. And instead of blessing, we see beware. Instead of be seen, we see be secret. So how do you do that? How do you be this city that's set on a hill that cannot be hidden and also take heed to this warning to not practice your righteousness before others? How do we make sense of this? Do we shine or do we hide? Do we operate in secret or do we serve in a place where we can be seen? Here's what I think Jesus is doing. Jesus never intended to suppress our desire to shine. 
But in fact, he actually encourages it. Instead of condemning it, he wants to redirect it. In Matthew 5, Jesus is addressing our fear of man. Jesus is teaching us not to be ashamed of the gospel or anything that comes along with it. Don't be ashamed of it. In chapter 6, though, Jesus is getting at our selfish ambition. He's pointing out that these rich people were doing all of these things, and in doing them, they were calling attention to themselves so that they could tell others exactly how great they are. So how do we know when to shine, and how do we know when to hide? I think there's a good rule of thumb. If we fear what people think of us, shine. If we want fame from others, hide. If we fear what people think of us, shine. If we want fame from others, hide. If you fear, be seen. If you want fame, be secret. That's the rule of thumb. Does that make sense? All right. Now, I know that sounds upside down, but that's what life is like in this kingdom, and that's what Jesus is telling us about. As we've been getting deeper and deeper into the Sermon on the Mount, we get to find out more and more about what this life in the kingdom is like. And here in chapter 6, Jesus talks a lot about his Father. We get to see how Jesus begins to show us more about the heart of the Father. Now, I hesitate a little bit to talk about fatherhood because I know that in this room, um, emotions run across the gambit when we began to talk about fatherhood. Some of us might, might be like, okay, I understand what it means when Jesus tells us about the father, when the father begins to, to speak and to tell us more about himself. I understand that because I have a good dad. I have a father that cared for me. I have a father that loved me, or I had a father that cared for me, or I had a father that loved me. But that's not the case for all of us, is it? For some of us, you might get like, super anxious in your gut. You start begin to, that knot in your stomach begins to, feel, uh, begins to fill up because you know that your relationship with your father wasn't the greatest experience in the world. For some, you may even begin to fear, be a little bit fearful because your father may have been abusive or may have been, um, you know, may have uh, shamed you. For others, you may not even be able to relate because your father was absent or maybe he was um, not around. So talking about fatherhood brings up all kinds of emotion in us. But I want you to stick with me. I want us, in spite of what our experiences are with our earthly father, I want us to maybe step into what it might be like to experience what life might be like with our heavenly father. Okay? Now, I love being a father. Aside from um, uh, the relationship I have with God and being a, uh, a husband to my wife, Jen, being, the, being a father has been the greatest experience of my life. Jen and I have three kids, and if you've known me for five minutes, you probably know who they are and what they do. We've got Brittany, who's 22, and she is a ferocious young lady who passionately pursues Jesus Christ. We have Kyle, and he's 22, and he is, um, he's loving his wife well. He's learning what it means to, uh, to love his wife and to sacrifice for his wife. 
Then we have Cole. Cole is part of our church, and he's, uh, he just graduated from Iowa Western, and he's carving out his niche in this life. I love my kids. I love what they do, and they're, they're great kids. But no one on the face of this earth gets the privilege of being my kids' father other than me. I alone get that privilege, and I take that privilege very seriously. It stirs something deep up in me. When I think about the, the privilege and the responsibility, responsibility of being a father, it stirs something deep up in me. It's a deep longing for them to want to know something more, to chase after something meaningful. Does that make sense? Does that resonate with anyone else in this room? It's a deep longing. I want good for them. I want what's true for them. I want what's right for them. And I can feel it come up whenever I hear about them doing something absolutely that blows my mind. Now, this happened this past week. You would think that, Chuck, you raise your kids. You're supposed to expect good things from them. But every time I hear something about them like this, it just kind of blows my mind. And this past week, I was talking to, uh, to Kyle's pastor, Andrew Rutten. He pastors Providence, which is also a city-like church. And uh, Andrew began to tell me a story about how Kyle had the opportunity to step into some area of ministry that would have been really well for him. It would have, like, he would have really enjoyed it. But he decided to take a step back. Because he and his wife just began to get into community in this city group. And he didn't want to step away from that group because his wife was forming some really good bonds. His wife was uh, enjoying the time that she was having in city group. And so he told uh, Andrew that, you know what, right now it's just not the right time. It's just not the right time. When I heard that, I was like, yes, that's what I want my children to experience. That's what I want them to feel. I want them to feel what it means to sacrifice, and I want them to experience joy in doing that. It's a deep longing that this father wants for his kids. Now, I want to encourage you this morning that whatever experience you have with your father, you have a heavenly father that has some deep longing. There are some things that he wants for you on a gut level. Jesus is telling us that this father is not like any human father ever. He is way better. He's always patient. He's always kind. He's always loving. He's not looking at his phone when you're trying to talk to him. He's more interested in your day than he is his Facebook or his Instagram feed. Jesus wants us to know that father. Not just facts about him, but he wants us to know him in a personal relationship. So how does Jesus do this? How does he make the father known to, to us? Well, he reflects the father in what he says and does. So we're going to talk about two things this morning. Jesus shows us the father in two ways. He warns and then he reveals. He warns us, and then he reveals us. So let's take a look at how Jesus warns. Let's look again in verse number one. 
Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Do you see the warning? Do you see it's right there, the first word of chapter 6. Beware. Then look again in verse 3. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Jesus warns us that the Father, he knows our motives. Jesus is giving a, a strong warning to us to not do the right things for the wrong reason. Jesus is saying, hey, be careful because there's a wrong way to do the right thing and that the heart behind that can ultimately harm you. This is kind of crazy because what Jesus, uh, the thing he begins to actually warn us about is something that we usually don't get warned about, giving to the poor. Why does he warn us about that? He says that when you give to the needy, don't do it so that everyone would see you and think you're awesome because you gave. He's saying that that is something that is very dangerous. There is so much more to giving than recognition. Jesus is saying that that type of giving, that type of activity, the heart behind doing something like that is short-sighted. You see, helping the poor and helping those in need is at the heart of the Father. That's what he does. That's what he did when he sent Christ to die for us. When he had sent Christ to, to live on this earth, he sent uh, Christ to us, to the poor and to the needy. And Jesus is warning that when, you, when we give to be seen, we rob ourselves of a reward that the Father wants to give us. Now, have you ever been warned about something and then maybe later on went and didn't do what the warning was about? That happened to me one time, <laughs> not too long ago, as a matter of fact. At our last prayer gathering, we had, uh, we had to collect all these chairs up. Everything was wrapped up, and we uh, stacked all the chairs so that we could vacuum the floors. And uh, when this place is completely empty, let me just tell you, imaginations run wild as to what this room could become. Like, to our, some of our little kids, this place was a park. They were bouncing off one wall, bouncing off the other wall, and running around, playing tag, just having a, a great time. Now, to our students, though, this looked like a wrestling mat. Yeah, a wrestling mat. And so just back here by the sound booth, there was a crowd gathering. I couldn't help myself, and I went back there to check out what was going on. And uh, there was one guy on all fours. They were about to wrestle. There was one guy on all fours. And another guy was on top, and about that time, somebody said, go, and they went, and they were wrestling for a little bit and kind of hanging out with, you know, one another, trying to figure out what this was all about. And the next thing you know, a guy does a reversal, throws a half Nelson, a guy ends up on his back, and boom, it's over. So I got an idea. I said, self, I used to wrestle. Why don't you try to find somebody and maybe go at it for a little bit. And honestly, I don't know if he was like the first person I looked at or exactly what was going on in my mind, but I looked at Tyler Mass. He's the guy that's in blue if the picture comes up. 
I looked at Tyler Mass and I said, Tyler, let's go. He was like, no, I said, let's go. And uh, so we proceeded to, to make this thing happen. I got down on all fours. Kyler, Tyler got on top of me. And my friend, my faithful friend, Craig Showers, he got in my face and he said, Chuck, don't do this. This is not a good idea. I said, Craig, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. We're going to have some fun. It'll be a good time. Well, I'm just going to tell you that what happened after that was not good. It, I mean, it literally left me hurting for days. And I happened to get away. I, my only takeaway is that Tyler didn't pin me. I think that's probably because he was not giving it his all. But um, it was not a good thing. So I should have listened because what happened from that point on was not good. What Jesus is telling us here, he's given us a warning that something bad will happen if we don't listen to it. He's warning us that if you're, that you're, if you're about to do something for the purpose of gaining recognition from others, then don't do it. And if you do, you better really like what those people think of you because that's all you're going to get. You're going to get their praise. You're not going to get the reward of the Father. It doesn't matter if you're leading a worship band on stage, if you're preaching a sermon, if you're serving coffee, if you're greeting people at the door, if you're serving in city like kids, or if you're raising your hands in the middle of worship. It doesn't matter if you go to Trailblazers, if you go to Care and Share, if you talk with your neighbor about who Jesus is, or if you chat with the guy down at the Casey's. It doesn't matter if you do all of those things, if you do them for the praise and glory, if you do them in order to be seen by others, you're only going to get the applause of those who might happen to notice that. City Light, just like Craig looked at me, Moments before I wrestled Tyler and warned me that what I was about to do was going to turn out badly. Jesus is warning us that the Father knows our motives. The Father knows our motives. And if we do something for the sake of being seen by others, we won't get the reward of the Father. Jesus is reflecting the heart of the Father because a good father warns his children about how doing good things for the wrong reasons can actually be very bad for them. Jesus reflects the heart of the Father by letting us know that life is about more than checklists and performances. The Father, our good Father, is ferocious about getting to our heart. And the rewards from the Father are far greater than being noticed by somebody that sees you do something good. So there's something else that Jesus is trying to show us about the heart of the Father. Let's pick it up in verse 2. So first one is, Jesus warns. Let's look into the second one. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Jesus reveals how the Father rewards. Number two, Jesus reveals how the Father rewards. 
The way we get rewards in the kingdom that Jesus is describing is upside down from everything we've ever known, isn't it? I mean, while what Jesus is describing here is way different from any job that I've ever had. You know what it's like. You might know what it's like. So you, uh, you step into this position. You've been working at it for quite some time, whether it's a corporation, whatever type of job you might have. The time comes up for a yearly review. So if you're like me, you go to your desk maybe a week or so before that date, and you begin pulling out all of these different things that you've done throughout the year. Because you want to use those things as leverage so that you can tell your boss that your department deserves the biggest chunk of the budget increase for the next year, or you're vying for that 10 to 15% raise that you're hopefully trying to get, or maybe you want to um, get the, the better performance bonus than maybe your coworker. That's the way you get paid. That's the way things happen. That's, that's how you, it works in our kingdom. But I'm here to tell you that that's not how it works in God's kingdom. That's not how the heart of the Father works. Let me show you. Jesus tells us right at the end of verse number four. Look at this. That your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. Jesus is telling us that the Father sees it all. He sees that time that you stopped by the, uh, this couple that was on the side of the road, this elderly couple. He saw that time that you stopped by and changed the tire for them. He saw that time when you told the young couple that they could just drop their kids off at their house so that they could go home and maybe just have a night of quiet by themselves. You see, the Father, he sees those things. He sees the time when you saw your friend in the grocery store, and he began to tell you about those hard times that he's having, and you prayed with him in the middle of high beam. The Father sees those things. You see, he sees the things that no one else sees, and he loves the fact that you are doing them. You don't need to brag about it. I love how Charles Spurgeon puts it. Charles Spurgeon was a, a preacher from like the 1800s, 19th century, and uh, he says it this way. Let God be present, and you will have enough of an audience. He will reward you, reward you openly, reward you as a father rewards a child, reward you as one who saw what you did and knew that you did it wholly unto him. You see, in this upside-down kingdom that Jesus is telling us about, we don't need to brag about what we do to get rewarded because God already sees it. Now, last week, one of the uh, points that Doug brought out in his sermon was that women matter. Jesus was telling us that at the very heart of the Father, Women matter, and rather than abusing them, we should protect them. So let me tell you a cool story. My son, youngest son, Cole, he went to the store a number of days ago, and he, as he came out of the store, he noticed that there was this guy and this girl that, was, that were chatting. And it was obvious that this girl did not want anything to do with this dude. 
I mean, he was like taboo, didn't want anything to do with him. And Cole kind of picked up on that. Well, the girl kind of pushed this guy away and began to walk. And so the guy followed her. So Cole intervened. Cole followed this guy and this girl and ended up chatting with the guy and saying, hey, leave her alone. She doesn't want to have anything to do with you. Ended up calling the police and the, the lady was safe. The gal was safe. Yes. So Cole didn't do this because there was a crowd watching or because there was anything to be gained by. In fact, things could have gone way bad real quick. So there was a lot to be lost. He protected that gal because he knew that to the father, that lady mattered. And he would want him to protect her. The father saw what Cole did in secret and will reward him openly. We do good things because we want to reflect the heart of our Father. In our glory seeking, where we get what we can, gotta have it now, it's all about us, culture, I know that that sounds way different. And I think if we actually took an honest look at ourselves, we might be able to find some times in our life where we did the right things for the wrong reason. Maybe we wanted to be noticed by our parents. Maybe we wanted to be noticed by our boss. Is it possible you wanted to be noticed by your coach? Or maybe we tried to do things to be noticed by the father because we were seeking his approval. Maybe we were doing things in this life. Maybe we do a lot of stuff so that we can gain approval from our heavenly father in hopes that all the good things that we do might outweigh the bad things that we do. The fact is, we could never do enough to earn approval from our Father. We can never be good enough. We can never protect enough ladies. We can never change enough tires alongside of the road. We can never pray with enough people in high V. We can never do enough. We can never reflect the heart of the Father perfectly. But Jesus did. Amen? Jesus did. Jesus reflects the heart of the Father perfectly. Jesus didn't reflect the heart of the Father by blowing a trumpet and letting everyone know what he did. He reflected the heart of the Father by serving the poor. He didn't come, to this, come into this world as a king on a throne. He came into this world as a baby in a manger. He didn't set himself up as a revered religious leader to live a life of entitlement. He became a carpenter and he swung a hammer. Jesus reflected the heart of the Father faithfully and perfectly. And he didn't get a political office or a house on the beach. Instead, he got a cross. And as he suffered and died on that cross, as he bled on that cross, he paid for all the times when you and I don't feel like reflecting the heart of the Father. He paid for all the times when we did things so that others could see us. He died for all the times when we praised, when we preferred the praise of men over the reward of the Father. Jesus reflects the Father perfectly, and he experienced reward from the Father. Philippians chapter 2, Paul tells us about this. I want you to read it with me in verse number 5. 
It says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now here's the reward. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Folks, Jesus reflects the heart of the Father perfectly. He does this by warning us that doing the right things for the wrong reasons will turn out badly. And then he reflects the heart of the Father by telling us and displaying for us what reward is. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we thank you for the love that you've shown to us as a father. God, we're thankful for those deep longings, those gut-level things that you want us to know about yourself. This life with you is not about performance. Life with you is not about putting on a show. It's not about putting the good things that we do on one side and the bad things that we do on the other side and seeing which one weighs out the most. Father, your heart is about your children. Your Father, your heart is for us. It's not against us. And so God, we thank you that you're our Father. Father, for these that are in, our, in this room that may not know you as their Heavenly Father, we pray that you would open eyes up, that you would open hearts up, that today might be the day when they see you as Father, they step into that relationship with you as their Heavenly Father. Ask these things in Jesus' name.